Hi, this is Carl Kendrick and welcome to my brand new podcast, In Conversation with Carl Kendrick. Every episode we're going to be talking to everyday people from everyday backgrounds and all walks of life, discussing their life journey and how they've got to be where they are today. On this first episode, we are chatting to my brother, Ray Hislop, who was the main inspiration for me to become a DJ 20-something years ago. We're going to be talking about his life as a DJ, the rave scene back in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, There's going to be strong references to drug use and also some adult themes, so just to let you know that ahead. But overall, I thoroughly enjoyed chatting to Ray, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. Thank you again. So, um, welcome to the the first episode of In Conversation with Carl Kendrick, and I am chuffed to say that joining me on this very first episode is the gentleman who is my main inspiration to become a DJ, and I think I've told him this before, but it's my brother Ray. Welcome, Ray. Uh, hi, how's it going? <laughs> You're so surprised that we've been talking for five minutes. And... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> thank you thanks for, right. thanks for joining me I, I really do i really do appreciate this because i got so much to oh, no, so much to talk right. talk about and um before we sort of go back to sort of the start of your your dj journey um i want a quick chat about the current situation i mean recently you've been doing a lot of live streaming on facebook uh mixed cloud and other sites so coming from someone who's been involved in djing for what, 30 years, if not more. Um, how do you find now going from when we started on vinyl, uh, now uh, we see the setup behind you, you know, we're live streaming on on a MIDI MIDI controller. No, so, um, which is a good question to be fair. So uh, you're right, back in the day it was vinyl. I think you've got a few questions there in one because back in the day it was vinyl, but then carting, uh, a record case, record box, and and a record bag full of twelve-inch records. Um, <laughs> full of twelve-inch records. It was a heavy, heavy going. It was heavy going having to come up and downstairs and stuff like that. Um, I think putting in the work on the vinyl back in the day. I think it stands you in good stead. But. Um, now I, I don't think I'd ever go back to vinyl. I mean, I still got uh, a deck there to play vinyl. I still got some vinyl down there. But the thing is, is that uh, having a MIDI controller. I mean, especially that. Uh, and I'm not sponsored by Denon, but it's one piece. <laughs> it's one piece of awesome kit. I've got a Denon Prime too now. Um, uh, it's an all-in-one. And I used to have a when they first came out, a Pioneer. Uh, XDJ, you know, an all-in-one. Yeah. Um, but that, that for me, that piece of equipment is like magic. I mean, you get the ability to plug in like a, a SATA drive, is it, or SATA drive? Mm-hmm. 2.5. You can hold a lot of stuff on there. But anyway, going back to the question, I, I don't think I'd ever go back to vinyl. Number one, cost per tune. I mean, some of the tunes are going for silly money. Uh, and that's even represses as well. 
Um, but vinyl is coming back. But it's each to their own, isn't it? But I, I wouldn't go back now because uh, MIDI controller, everything. I've got access to so much music. Uh, and also, um, the great thing about having a piece of kit like that, you can also live uh, live stream from Beatport Link as well. So, you know, why, why go to vinyl? So with, um, obviously, the difference, I suppose, another difference is when you had vinyl, we talk about the carts and the flight bags. You probably spent more time looking for the vinyl record than than sort of enjoying the enjoying the moment. Um, whereas yeah. now you can sort of flick a, a couple of buttons. You got your next track; it's there, ready, and you can exactly. enjoy the, you can enjoy the music. Cue whereas points. before, cue points as well. So whereas yeah. before you doing all the cue points manually, and and like now with the cue points, you've got the music at your fingertips rather than looking flicking through a, a, a label or a bag yeah. for a particular a cover of a, of a, a vinyl. So um, so let's start then at the beginning. So I mean, my earliest memory of you was like eighty in the mid eighties when we were in Rochdale, which yeah. was just down the road from from Manchester. So it must have been around the time where dance music was sort of just really sort of kicking off. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, it was going from uh, Acid House and then into house music. Uh, just before it started doing that, uh, there was a show that used to be on telly called uh, Hitman and Her. And uh, there was a group of us. Oof, so embarrassing, this. <laughs> it's it's, it's it's like a bit of a two-part story, this, but uh, there was a group of us. We were in like a dance group. Uh, right then you had, funny enough, you had, um, I got into dance because I went to a Gary Newman concert long before you were born. And the only <laughs> reason I went to see Gary Newman was because he had Tick and Talk. Which are who? Tick and Talk. Nothing to do with TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Believe it or not. Tick and Tock, and you can look this up if you want, they were a robotic duo. Okay. Dance, so dance we're talking, we're talking like, uh, are we talking like an early version of Daft Punk? Yeah, it's, it's like it's an early, early version of diversity, I suppose. But okay. Because <laughs> I remember, but, I remember uh, you having yeah. these, like these, I remember seeing a picture of you with another guy and a woman in some kind of, kind of day glow shell suit thing if I'm, I'm positive i've definitely seen a photo of someone. Yeah. that has been places that's <laughs> <laughs> but yeah uh the funny thing is is that that photo you're talking about in particular is that same group of people we were at first we were a dance group called zip and then uh we went to a club in i think it was barry uh oh no it wasn't it was discotheque royale in manchester we went there, yeah, all because Hitman and her were there and Clive, Clive and all his dancers. Basically, Clive is this black guy who wears a white wig and he's like the leader and uh, there's all these different dancers behind him and it was on telly at stupid o'clock and you'd watch it because you were drunk coming in from a club. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, we went to Disco to Tech Royale and we were going to have these dancers. We were zip. That's what we double zip. <laughs> <laughs> double set double set ip right we had matching it sounds really crash now but we had matching uh do you know a bit like greece yeah and, but but not 
not the cool leather things. We had the girly ones. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, like the softball jackets with zip, like pink, <laughs> bright pink neon, bright green neon, zip on the back. Yeah, man, we came, we saw, we conquered. <laughs> so we'd, we'd do. And we could do one mean running man because that was the dance of the time. And we went, we went to Disco Tech Royale and we were like that in front of the stage watching Clive and his dancers. And we went, <laughs> like kid and play style. He started going, like, funny <laughs> like, like, you know, a bit like a Beach Street. <laughs> Thinking we were the BC. Anyway, Clive saw us, grabbed us, brought us up on stage. Oh, wow. So we were having the stage to ourselves. And then uh, he told us to go down to Mr. Smith's in Warrington. And we used to practice every Tuesday. That dance studio, was it? What's that? With that dance studio. No, no. Mr. Smith's nightclub, it was. Oh, okay. And they used to, they and we used to uh, rehearse for a few hours uh, every Tuesday night. Um, and then, I'm not sure how this came about, but this is, this is quite interesting. The same group of people, okay, um, we were in a club, and then some guy came up to us, uh, and then... Somebody knew somebody who knew somebody, <laughs> yeah. And there was this guy starting up this uh, record label in Manchester called the MRC Records, or MCR probably. Probably MCR, that's yeah. Short, yeah, that's short for Manchester. <laughs> it's all a bit vague. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, yeah, so we went in the studio with this guy and we didn't know what we were going to do. We didn't know what we were going to... And uh, we were actually called, and, and this is no word of a lie, we were called EWE. Now, I don't want you to think of a female sheep, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so what, was he, what did EWE stand for? Excel with ease. Oh, but course. not with ease. Ease yeah, that yeah. I know. Yeah, I love. Yeah. <laughs> or love. <laughs> but ease, ease, E A. Zeddy, no yeah. Zeddy. Come on, we're, we're cool. <laughs> <laughs> right? So Excel with ease, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, we had to. And I, I don't, I don't know how to sing. I don't know how to sing, but uh, oh, I'm not even finished this one. Sorry, my bar, bar one this morning. Hi, how are you doing? It's Hi. all right, you know. It's the camera's not going to be on there. Oh, is it not? No. <laughs> right, cheers, lovey. Hey, oh. Hold on, she wants me to down this. You, you're gonna have to edit this. <laughs> Just edit out you drinking it. You drinking so um, Excel with hold ease. on, yeah, Excel with ease. Yeah. I'm gonna tell you the story now. We we didn't have a clue. We had some girl called Elaine. Yeah, was her name Elaine? Yeah, she was dead small, free foot. Thought she sang like Whitney Houston. She sound like Whitney Houston. Right, <laughs> 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 thank God for auto tune. That's all I can say. Right, and then, uh, but I was like the cool rapper with the curly hair and- the, I've seen the pictures. And 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 uh, it went a little something like this. It went, Excel, yeah, Tyler Progress. We're the rebel, we got no reject. Six strong, the posse, the crew, EWE, we're here to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. Still, it was still, remember, still remember the lyrics. Oh, well, well, put it this way: MCR Records no longer exists. But, <laughs> but, I, and this is no word of a lie. We're going back before take that. Yeah, yeah. The only boy band that was around was uh, New Kids on the Block. 
All right, that's all. And I'll always remember we had the record label launch and there was other artists on the label who, to be fair, were better than us. But uh, the Manchester Evening News called us Britain's answer to new kids on the block. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> now, they must have been deaf. <laughs> Manchester Evening News, that's quite a big thing. They've got an arena named after them. NEN Arena. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. um... So what happened? So what happened in the end with with the the, the group? With that, well, what happened was they got us a house, yeah, <laughs> in Rochdale. Uh, was it Rochdale? Yeah, it was Rochdale, and um, rented it. And I always remember we were having a, a whatever, wherever, whatever we did. Yeah, Sam, who was the head of the label, he used to come with press or some press, local press, and he would say. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, any press is good press. He used to say, right, we went, yeah, we thought, oh, we're going to have this house party. He said, oh, let me come, let me come. So he's coming to this house party. Yeah, this is back before the drugs and everything. But um, we're having this house party, and I was thinking, oh, what can we do that's really, really, really a cool idea? So what we decided to do was rip up the carpet from the front room. So it just... It just re <laughs> revealed these tatty floorboards. Got a tin of white paint. We drew, you know, like lines of a road down the middle. <laughs> then we went and robbed, you know, like workmen's flashing orange lights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We went and robbed all them, put them all around the room and everything. Somehow we got some mobile traffic lights. I don't know where they were from. <laughs> and the great thing was is you didn't need the motor. You could just put like a white light behind it and it would just light up. The oh, it's cool. Anyway... We're here, yeah, we're partying, yeah, everyone's having a good time, we're getting really drunk. And anyway, there's a knock on the door and the police come in. Yeah, <laughs> the police, it's the police. Hello, Osifa. <laughs> <laughs> so we bring them in. Well, we didn't bring them in, Sam brought them in. And they're coming in and all, they, all I'm thinking is, they're going to have us for robbing these lights. <laughs> there's lights everywhere. We had that many orange flashing lights, I'm telling you, lights everywhere. And, and they were looking, and I could see they were looking. Right, they were saying, come on, it's time to take it down. Take the music down, turn the music down now. And Sam gives me a nudge, and he said, right, now, break into Excel with ease. So, <laughs> I'm thinking, what? I said, we got no music. Just break into it. Any publicity? Any publicity? So, yeah, turn it down. Yeah, turn it down. Turn down this. Excel, yeah, tell the progress. I, I, I think I even did the actions like forwards, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Uh, uh, luckily, we didn't get arrested that night, but it also didn't appear in any newspapers. <laughs> but yeah, good times, good times. So, anyway, after that, the reason why we split up was it became creative, creative differences. <laughs> no, 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 we, we were all mad in the head, but uh, the reason why. We didn't go any further was. And the funny thing is, you can see it in that photo. If you look at that photo I sent you the other day, there's two of them, maybe three that had red, red <clears> silk, <throat> right? And what they were, gosh, so embarrassing. Right, we used to go around Rochdale, okay? We had to wear the same clothes. We had these black satin MC hammer pants, right? right? But they've been made in the Indian... <laughs> you know how they make saris? Yeah, yeah. So we've gone up to Rochdale, yeah? Um, uh, the tailors. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, they fitted us all up. 
it had like this gold embroidery on the hems. Yeah. And then they had a red silky top with a black silky hood, you know, like, which was all right after a couple of times. But when local people started to say, oh, look, here comes the Red Ann gang. I thought, I'm not having this anymore. <laughs> I thought, I'm not, I'm not dressing like this anymore, which is why you can see me and Johnny. You're in green, are you? Yeah, Johnny Five. My, I'm still mates with him now. I went to his wedding the other year. Um, but he, uh, yeah, we just had, we've got different clothes on because it, it was a start. It was a start of a slippery slope down. But that kind of and stuff. Then was we on, and then we move on to the era when, um, when I went to St Helens and then start with everything else. Then. So did you? Um, so what came first was the MC or the DJ? MC. Obviously, like following on from like the rapping stuff we did with with the crew. Well, the and first then... thing, yeah, the first thing that came was the um, the raving, really, the raving, okay. and then from that, from that, the MC. And I think the MC and led on from Excel with Ezo. I was thinking, oh, that doesn't sound too good, uh, too bad, yeah. it's not too good. <laughs> uh, but when I when I used to go out and I used to hear MCs like, uh, the, I mean, the best club I had. My, what I call my club is Shelley's and Stoke. But Shelley's used to have an MC called uh, MC Loud and Nasty. Okay. And, uh, yeah, that was his name. And all he would say is, at the end of the night, you've been the dog's bollocks. <laughs> That's all he used to say. Yeah. And I was thinking, I could do a much better job than that. And that is, uh, from then, from then I, I went to... Uh, Funnily enough, I went to uh, St. Helens with another DJ who was DJing in St. Helens. And then from there, I met a girl. And then she said, you don't want to be in this club. You want to come to Applebee's. And Applebee's then was the first time I emceed and the first time I met uh, Paul Newton, DJ The Man. So how did you how did you come about to MC? Obviously, going to these raves. How do you end up on stage as the MC? So... This is most of my most of my work emceeing came from being linked to uh, DJ Demand. I mean, DJ Demand was only uh, up and coming. Okay. <laughs> DJ Demand was only uh, up and coming then. Stu Allen used to come uh, once a week, and then uh, I always remember Stu Allen uh, DJing in Applebee's. Which, let's face it, it was like. Um, Sharon and Tracy Club with people thinking that because there was dance music, it was their version of a rave, but it wasn't a proper rave. And uh, so, yeah, uh, so Stu Allen, and then Stu Allen had DJ Demand as a guest mix. And then next thing you know, uh, I was emceeing in Applebee's for, for DJ Demand. Basically, when I was first emceeing, I was robbing lyrics anyway. You know, I just want to say, so, I mean, I've never obviously emceed, um, I've always been on the other side of the decks. Did you yeah. have like a, did you have like a, a prepared set of, of stuff you use or just on the fly? Uh, it's, 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 I mean, how much do you have to prepare to say, reach for the sky? <laughs> oh, here comes, here comes the rush! Oh, would this be, is how would we be... do it. This is how it's done. We're the kinetic crew, and we are number one. 
Yeah. Oh, would they ever be like? Would you ever have a set of lyrics that you work like? Like, oh, yeah, of course I did. I used to write. I used yeah. to write all the time. I mean, there was the first time I started seriously writing lyrics was uh, when I did a tune uh, with DJ Demand called, uh, which you can still get on YouTube called "Jumping Pumping" on the remix. And I was called in them days MC Scenario. And uh, from that was the first time I'd wrote anything down for that one. And then uh, from that, then when we got put onto uh, the album Sound of Club Kinetic Volume 3, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, we then did a national uh, club tour with sponsored by, I don't know if you might be a bit young, but M8. It used to be a dance magazine called M8. Yeah, we've still got it for a few, yeah. few years back. Uh, yeah. Sponsored, uh, and we so we were sponsored by that. And we, uh, I've got to tell you, I was scared stiff. The first, the first PA I did for Club Kinetic because we were we were doing their national club tour of the launch of the uh, launch launch of the album, and I was thinking. Uh, you you just have doubts about yourself, don't you? You think this, these I mean these are massive. So these where, are, where did that take you when you did national tour? Where, where was that just north northeast or northwest or is it no, UK? Let me tell you, I'll, I'll tell you about the last time I ever toured as well. Um, but uh, everywhere we were in the tunnel, Glasgow, a foo bar up in Scotland. Uh, but the very very uh, obviously zone. In the Wirral, obviously uh, Kinetic in Stoke, and the very, very last night where, when I quit, because I just quit, yeah, was uh, we were doing a, a PA in Martha's, uh, Martha's Vineyard, Swansea, funnily enough, a place where I used to live. But so we're traveling from Manchester, me, DJ Demand, Isbert in the car, yeah, who by the way sang on one of his tunes and she couldn't sing. Let me tell you, I don't care how famous he is. She she couldn't sing, but no longer his bird either. But there you go. So <laughs> so we went uh Martha's Vineyard, did a PA there, went absolutely magic. It did small club that so that when you're MCing, you were uh, pretty much in the crowd are you. Yeah, yeah. And another one, uh, another one that I know I'm going off going off the beaten track, but I need to tell you about the uh Brunel Rooms. It's uh, Swindon. Yeah, did a PA there. Oh my word, that crowd were mental. There was girls throwing knickers on the stage <laughs> and everything. Seriously, there's only, there's only so many knickers you can fit in your pocket. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, so we were, anyway, going back to the last night. So we did it, but we had to do, uh, we had to do a gig there. And then we had to get in the car, drive from Swansea, <clears throat> You know this being a Welsh lad, drive from Swansea all the way to Adidas in Sheffield. They booked us two gigs, right? So we had to go from Swansea to what, Sheffield. Same night. In them days, yeah, the only person that did it live was me. Yeah. He used to play in them days, they didn't have middies and so they mm. had a like a dat a dat player. That's all he had. So we're there, we take the dat player, we get to Sheffield, right? Adidas. I'm not I'm not joking, it's half an hour before this shot. Yeah, a bloody set was half hour, all right. And I'm thinking, you can imagine, yeah, yeah they've been dancing yeah. all night, okay, off their heads, off their trolleys, okay. And I was thinking, shit, this is gonna be hard to cry. I wasn't far worse, <laughs> you know what I mean? I was off my head, 
So anyway, I get on there and you can actually, if you search, you have to really search for it on YouTube, but you can get, you can get it. And you hear, it's the last night that I've ever done the PA and you can hear the DAP machine effing up. <laughs> but what had happened was as we were driving, it, it built up moisture. Okay, the yeah. So what happened was I'm there doing everything. Yeah, it was only the first time as well. Uh, dark and light, it was called. And uh, doing doing everything, getting the crowd up and everything. And uh, the, oh my God, it started messing up that machine. That machine started messing up. So pizza skipping, stopping, sputtering. So I said, uh, uh, and all I can see is these thousands of people just looking at me. I've got my music, just a mic. Okay, I'm I'm off my tits. Yeah, thank you. Okay, uh, yeah, we're having slight technical difficulties. <laughs> so luckily, a DJ, yeah, a DJ came. Uh, I can only apologise. Uh, so a DJ came and he actually put our vinyl on, you know, yeah. which was the tune at the time. And uh, I just did it to the record. And I, I'm not joking. I got off that stage. I turned around to Paul and I said, and no word of a lie, every single syllable, I said, I'm never letting you put me in. I'm never letting you put me in that position again. Like it's, okay, it's okay for it, them. Can they blame the death? You're, you're on the front uh, of the stage. And that was the last time I ever emceed, ever. So, Apart from when I did an under 18. Which um, I want to get on to in a second. Yeah. We just talk about we're just talking about your uh, your state then. Um, obviously, you're a little bit worse away. When did because um, you said when you was with um, Excel with ease. There was no, there was no drugs in there. No. So when, no. when did the, when, when did the, 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 you get involved with that kind of side of the, of the raves? Do you know what? It took me absolutely ages. Oh yeah, I'd had a bit of speed or Billy or amphetamine, if whatever you want to call it, back in the day. But there was something scary about taking a pill. I think uh, it took me, it took me a long time, and my. Again, my good friend, Johnny, who I call Johnny Five, by the way, uh, my best friend. And he uh, said, listen, Ray, he said, I'm not going to let nothing happen to you. He said, just uh, just have it. And the pills then in them days were like £15 each. And the pill at the time, you didn't have like loads and loads of different ones. There was just, just one or two mm -hmm. different kinds. And the first... First night was we went to this club called the Banshee in Manchester. It was a, the only all, one of the few all nighters that you could go to, legal ones anyway. <clears throat> and uh, we went in, and he said, "Here, he said, have a half of this." And it turned out to be half of phase four. Before I'd ever taken that, I was one for having a drink, uh, maybe kicking off, you know, like you do when you just have alcohol. Uh, somebody looking at you the wrong way or just you're bored or something. I, I wasn't a very nice person, to be fair. Uh, and very selfish as well. And then I had that half a phase four and it made me look at the world from another person's point of view. Like for a different so In other words, instead of being selfish, I then became thinking about another person before I thought about myself and uh, hugging people that I didn't know, chatting shit in the bogs, uh, 
absolutely everything. Everything. It just opened my eyes. And I had, uh, that was the first time I had a half, half a phase four. And it moved me that much that I'm that sad. I don't mind saying I went and I got a, like a long sleeved gray, long sleeved tee with a luminous writing saying phase four. Yeah. And then you know the score. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was hip at the time. I must have looked like a right pleb. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah. And from then, I didn't look back. I didn't look back. Then, <laughs> then I was in some, I was in some messy states. So I mean, to be fair, in some really messy states. But that was it. That's how you got. I mean, there was times I used to go from a Thursday night in Hippos in Middleton, uh, which was a rave, uh, and I wouldn't get any sleep until the Sunday, the Sunday night. And by Sunday night, you're tweaking. You're no good. To, you might as well just be a paraplegic sat in your chair because you're no, no good to anyone. You know what I mean? So it's uh, it was it was an experience. It was good. I loved it. And uh, but I would I would definitely say that ecstasy changed me for the better. But also the most important thing is whatever drug you're taking or whatever drug you've took. As soon as you lose the respect for it, it can come and bite you on the ass, and that and that's just the way it is. You know? did, that, did that ever happen to you? Yeah, I mean, I can I can think of. I mean, if you really want me to tell you a horror story, I'll tell you a horror story. And this is I haven't told anybody this. That's the whole okay. point. There's, there's only point a handful of people. There's only a handful of people. Everyone that <coughs> was there that knows how bad this is. There was. Me, there was four of us, and it was Fantasia, New Year's Eve at Little Cock, uh, is it look Little Cock House or something? New Year's Eve, it was Northampton. <laughs> Drive down, all well and good, yeah. Uh, we had a bit of Billy, a bit of speed, and then we had these pills, and then uh, I lost, lost everybody, and it, you're talking about thousands of people. You're talking about it was just a marquee. There was straw on the floor, mud. And uh, I started to get paranoid. Paranoid where I was, I was, I used to love Rat Pack back in the day. And I was just there on the dance floor. Well, there wasn't a dance floor. Just there with thousands of other people and Rat Pack. And I felt like they were speaking to me. Do you know, I was that messed up in the head. So anyway, we went, I went back to the car halfway through the night and I just stayed there. And that was a horrible, horrible place to be. And then the others came back and they're feeling just as bad. So anyway, we got ourselves that paranoid that we thought, okay, the driver started it with, we thought, yeah, that people had stuck bananas up the exhaust pipe, yeah, okay. to make the car run like shite so anyway we get down it took us ages you can imagine how long it's going to take to get out of an event mm -hmm. right. get down to the security we say to the security there's a favor mate can you just check our exhaust is that yeah just check of course there's nothing we're driving home yeah and we're thinking we're being followed yeah we're thinking nearly every other car has got people that were at that rave and they're following us and they want to do us arm so much so we got off the motorway we drove, we knocked on a complete stranger's house, yeah, saying we've been followed, okay? 
say, this is the worst thing ever, right? So we go in, they ring the police, yeah? And then we're giving us a drink of water and then we're thinking, shit, the police are going to come. So we get back in the car and him rushing to get out of the drive, he reverses and knocks their garden wall over. Oh, wow. Knocks half a garden wall over, yeah? And they're just like, by then they're just saying, just go, just go. <laughs> so we drive, we get ourselves that paranoid by the time we get to St. Helens, no word of a lie, we pull into St. Helens police station, yeah, in the car, we run in, yeah, and we're saying we've just been followed, we've just been to a rave, da, da, da. We were sat in that waiting room absolutely ages, yeah, and they, and it, it, they were coming in, they must have been coming in laughing, <laughs> have a look at these lot in the front. Yeah, in the end, we managed to sum up, they just left us, and we managed to sum up enough courage to go from there, back to the house we went back to the house frightening and that that is a case of losing respect for the drug and then it was time to say do you know what you need to take a good long hard look at yourself so um, as well as it made me a better person it wasn't all plain sailing you know i just want to talk about the rave scene in general i mean if you're clubbing now um, it, it seems to be very much the social media crowd, people taking selfies. They want a good picture with their mates. You know, they, they don't really they don't really care who's DJing. They just want to be in a, in a venue because they could say they could check themselves into a venue. But what yeah. was the rave scene like back? You know, back in those days. You know, what was it? What was, well, I mean, that was to, amazing. You didn't have mobile phones. The only people that had mo mobile phones was drug dealers. And uh, and then they had to carry a battery around with them because it was that big. But uh, no, there was no phones. And that was a good thing. You were there and you were there with like-minded people and uh, you were there for the music, the scene. There was no filming or anything like that. The only time you see filming, and funnily enough, I shared this on the um, 90s Ravers page on Facebook, the irony, I know, <laughs> uh, that uh, an original where he had to get a videographer in, <laughs> he had to film it, you know what I mean? And the amnesia was like, like you'd been into Dixon's and put 10 print amnesia. <laughs> Do you get what I mean? Go to 10. <laughs> so, you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah so, no, it was, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't just that, though. It was the services. And the thing that killed it off was, was when Margaret Thatcher brought in the, uh, you know, the lobbying. Uh, I forget what it's called now, but where they, uh, you can't have more than, I think it's like five or ten people dancing to something with a repetitive beat. I mean, All right. that, that snookered us, I'll be honest. But we used to... We used to always just go to the services and then as soon as she brought that law out, they started to have security, you know, on the drive into the services. What, so you used so to set up, was, set up speakers in the car park or something, was it all? No, no, just, just sometimes you'd have, if you were lucky, yeah, you'd have, you'd have someone pull in with a, a caravan and there'd be a set of decks set up. Uh, most of the time it's people with really good stereos playing a mixtape, you know, because it was tapes in them days, so you know there was no CD or anything like that. So was it? Uh, when did this sort of go? I mean, I'm assuming back then it was, it was, there's a lot of underground stuff going on as well. So you had 
or is it all in the clubs or do they call from clubs to underground or, or vice versa? Uh, see, you had clubs, but you, you, you also, you wouldn't go to the discotheque Royale. You know, you wouldn't go down to the local Ritzy, all right? You, you, there, were, there were clubs, there were clubs like, I don't know, like famous clubs like Eclipse, Coventry, Shelley's and Stoke, uh, Hippos and Midi. The great thing about that was it had speakers so that when you were queuing up and you had to queue to get in, you had the music and you'd, you'd, you'd be that shit scared that you, they'd find pills in you. You'd drop in the queue. So you uh, yeah, get out to the, you feel like you really know the dormant window. By the time you get to the dormant, like, oh mate, this is probably the first time I've ever been to the club, but oh mate, are you okay? Oh, but yeah, uh, it was good, good times. And then uh, yeah, that, that that you had clubs, and then you had the uh, actual raves, and then you had you had it was mostly what happened after the clubs, you know, the after party kind of thing. Is it all or yeah, just no? Uh, yeah, after party, but just like, just secret gatherings, you know? Right. So <clears throat> when you got to St. Helens, this is where the under-18 stuff started, the raves, the under-18 raves started. How did how did that come, come about? Because that was, was that always in the leisure centre or did, did, did it move? Yeah, so funny, funny enough, there was, uh, we were called Art, Art Promotions. And the reason we were called Art Promotions was there was three of us, Andy, Ray and Tim. So no, <laughs> so, uh, so art, yeah. We wouldn't have been rats. I wanted rats because my name would have been first, but it was arts anyway, art promotion. So we were that serious about this that we went and opened a business account in Barclays just to have a, a checkbook because it was checkbooks in them days mm -hmm. that had art, art promotions. Well, to give yourself a bit of credibility. Yeah, exactly. So um don't know how much I can say here, but... Uh, I suppose it's been and gone, okay? But there were three of us. Let's just say we were unemployed and the money that we had between the three of us, we decided to throw into a venture, which was this. Uh, so the first one we ever did was in Sutton, Sutton Leisure Centre. Sutton Leisure Centre in St. Helens is off the beaten track. It's like closer to the uh, M62 than it is to the centre of St. Helens. This place was massive, massive. You didn't go to this place. This place was it was that big, and it was that big. And we, uh, I, I, we had that. No, we had no big 4K sound system because it was all for yeah. Come to the sound system 4K, 4K, and reach for your one green laser. And, stuff like that. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, so we used to pay 500 pounds to hire that. Tim used to bring his decks. We liked paying five hundred pounds. Five hundred quid. Class. This is what we're talking. What mid mid nineties, early nineties was. Yeah, it's a lot. of money. It's a... Yeah. So it was five hundred quid to hire the rig. Uh, Tim, you just got it free. You know his decks and everything here. And then we said he could set up a merchandise store with all the glow sticks, tapes, and stuff. Didn't pay any of the DJs. Uh, and then we ended up paying them ten pounds. Um, and we went, we, we, we came up with the idea of, uh, which I think is quite brainy even to this day, but we came up with the idea using leisure centres because we could get then the council crest on our flyers. 
So we had the council crest on our flyers. We used to go on school gates handing these flyers out. Teachers would be like John Cleese coming out of the door. Wait, 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 what's that? What's that? Council crest. Come on, mate. St. Ellen's Council. Council, St. Ellen's. And they, oh, yeah, go on, go ahead. Under 18. So, yeah, we used to give them out. So, anyway, we used to do that. And that first one was a flop. It was like 60 people. Which was quite good for a first event, but when the uh, this is in the leisure centre, so obviously yeah, it would look quite empty. In the leisure centre, and it was ten times the size of the one that you went to. So anyway, we set up, and the music was all echoing because it was that that big a venue. Because we had no idea in them days, and then uh, I said, "No, nah. I said well, we're going to do this again." And so I went into Queen's Park, which was right in the centre of St Helens, approached him. And he was a bit sceptical. And then I said, well, if you let us do it, I'll let you have the, uh, you know, like the refreshments, the soft drinks and everything. Yeah, yeah. So this little manager of this, uh, <laughs> this, of this uh, leisure centre, he would go to cash and carry himself out of his own money, get a load of cans, have them in the centre part of Queen's Park, and it'd be there, he'd be giving them out, giving them out like that, charging like, I don't know how much it was, a pound a can. And he was getting them for like five and a half pence. <laughs> but yeah, so he was loving it. Uh, but we found that the first event in Queen's Park, uh, we got about 200, 300 people. And it got to such a stage then where uh, it started, we, we got called into a meeting. Me, Andy, Tim, we got called into this massive meeting. They said, you're going to have to come down. The police want to see you. And we walk in. There's a, a high-ranking official from St. Helens Council. There's a manager of Queen's Park Leisure Centre. And then there's these police. And there's these three guys that have been putting their unemployment benefit into it to earn some... So how, how, old, how old are you? 20, 25, 26? Yeah, it's all a blur. Time. All a blur. <laughs> But uh, we we uh, we walk into this meeting and I'm thinking, shit, we're gonna get done here. We're gonna get done. And uh, they said, well, we want to let you know something because back then we didn't have we didn't have uh, security or anything like that. So we said we want to let you know something that when every night there's a suburbia, the crime rate in St Helens goes down by a massive amount. Oh wow. Yeah, so uh, what's he saying? Low, low, low system resources. There you go. Yeah, so crime rate. Uh, so all we want you to do is is we want you to do proper checks now when they come in, and we also want you to have more security on the door. And then from there, it just grew. We had we ended up having seven hundred people trying to get into a a venue for five hundred that was only licensed for five hundred. So uh, I, I remember the one I went to. Um, it was rammed. It was rammed. You had the Bounty Castle in the corner. <laughs> you had you had the Merc stand with all the t-shirts. Yeah, back, backdrops on the wall um, that we've done ourselves. Just sheets that we painted. You, you, <laughs> had, had, the, you, had, you had the light system as well. But I remember it being quite a decent light system. So how was how did you get that installed? Was that no, that was, no, that was the same people that did the sound. That's why it was five hundred quid and somebody to uh, to work it. And yeah. take it on his bloody self. Because, you know, um, so you was DJ Dizzy FX, weren't you? I was D I S dash E. 
because of the obvious. Yeah, and then yeah. F, F X, not <laughs> effects. F X. And do you know what? It was my event. I was always the last DJ. All the other DJs were on for 60 minutes. I was on for an hour and a half. If I could get two, I'd have two. And I was the only one making any money. <laughs> so um, when yeah. did you when did you do so when did we move from MC into to DJ and then was it around the same time as that? Was it uh I started DJing after when during while I was MCing, I started DJing. Uh Back in uh, St. Helens, I got, you know, them, uh, because back then you didn't have a lot of tech. So so what I got, I learned on SoundLab belt-driven decks, not direct drives, couldn't afford them. And then you used to have, back in them days, you couldn't mount tellies on the wall. You didn't have, tellies had backs on, yeah? So back in them days, you had, like, stands that you could have, swivel stands that you could put portable tellies on. Uh, yeah. So I had... In the front room, black wallpaper, horrid, yeah? And then I couldn't even be bothered to uh, drill, you know, like put wall plugs in. Yeah, I just thought, ah, oh, 10 screws, that'll be fine. Yeah, so I'd have two of them TV portable stands, one either side, yeah? Little shelf for the mixer, which is only a two-channel realistic thing, yeah? And, uh, and then the great thing was, was I put the decks on and then you could angle the decks towards you like that because they were like TV stands, just like that. But what I didn't, what I didn't figure out is because they were belt-driven, every time I went like that, it, the stand would go like that, so the whole deck would go like that. Oh, absolute nightmare. Anyway, so, you live and learn. So with um, Suburbia, when it got popular, so you, you were selling out gig after gig, were you sent, were you getting promos sent to you uh, as the as the promoters? Or, you know, were you getting no. free, free stuff, any free stuff from anywhere? No. No? I was either too messed up or too... That's been the story, I think. I think that's been the story where uh, my love was more for going out than it was for playing or spending money on records and stuff like that. I liked it. But then if you said to me then, uh, especially after Suburbia shut, because what happened with Suburbia was... We were the only thing doing for under 18s. And then what happened was there was a local nightclub that said, oh, look, they're making a packet there. And then uh, started their own under 18s. Just want to go into an over 18 club. And hence it started under 18s. But uh, yeah, I just spent most of the time enjoying the music, enjoying the scene. I wasn't really concerned whether, whether I was going to, uh, I was quite happy DJing in the kitchen with friends. Um, every house I've been in, having after parties and stuff like that and having convoys to your house and stuff, that was fine for me. That was fine. Do you know, it was just, it, that's, that's what it was. It was fine. I didn't look to do anything else. And then you're going into then, you're going into Wigan Pier days then and, uh, you know, and stuff like that. So, but it, yeah, it was good. So, what happened? So, Spooby comes to the end. What was what was next then? Where, where did you find yourself then? What from DJing? Yeah, yeah. So from then, I was always DJing, always because I always had the tunes. There was times when I sold all my tunes and then started again. Biggest mistake of my life. Uh, and then 
and I was skipping a lot, was skipping a lot then. But then I went to live in uh, Malta and I had to, I had all these tunes. We're, we're in trance now. It was trance days then. And then uh, I sold them to my, another one of my mates called Martin, my decks and all my tunes for a hundred pounds. And I just said, yeah, I'd rather it went to, because I taught him how to DJ. Okay. And he was always saying, Ray, give us a go on the decks. I'll never let him on. I'd never let him on until I was that pilled up and I'd just say, yeah, turn it down. Turn it down. I'm trying to chill out here. Hypocrite. And so, <laughs> uh, funny thing was, yeah, his place was above a butcher's. Yeah, so we we, we called it the Carcass Club. Spelled K-A, yeah? Yeah. K-A-S. Loads of people used to come. So you'd have the butchers serving meat downstairs, yeah? You'd have the music pumping, people with whistles and stuff. Yeah, guys were So what was um, I mean? I know Malta now is sort of the Ibiza of like the Italians, Germans, Austria. That's sort of the the gateway. What was what, Malta like for for a dancing back back then? Uh, was there one or not? When, when I went out there to live. Because obviously, uh, back in the day, it was more like a childhood thing now. But then when I went back, it was 2011 when I went back. And uh, oh, it might have been 2009, nine or 11, I can't remember. And we went, uh, went there. And that was when I noticed about the dance scene and stuff like that. And uh, like-minded people find like-minded people, so to speak. And uh, yeah, it was good. It was good. And then obviously we came back home and sort of put it on the shelf for a little bit. And then I thought, no, I'm missing it too much. So I went out and they had these these really cheap decks. Don't tell anyone. This is between you and me. I don't know where else is listening, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's between you and me. They had these cheap decks. They were 70, 70 odd quid. Yeah. Cheap decks. They had these little lights. Yeah, that's how bad they were. I, th I think it was a Newmark party, something or other. It had these little lights on the end. You have like the best thing, like traveling like, and, uh, oh, they were shite. And then from there, then I went on to the mixed track pro. From the mixed track pro, I, I went on to the, the. I've just thought, right, I'm going to go mental here. And then I got like the Pioneer XCJ. You know that? I think it was an RX in them days, the all in one. It says all in one, but you still had to use record bots with that. And then from that, uh, I met my now wife, and she said, get rid of them. She said, she said, they're way too much. So we sold them. I managed to sell them for a grand. That was she sold them for a grand. And then uh, what did I have then? I had another one. Oh, I've got Pioneer uh, DDJ. I was on that for a while. Uh, streaming off it and everything. Again, using record box. And then I started to get, I think I started, as you get older, you get more interested in the actual equipment you're using. You do a lot more homework. And I suppose because you're not off your tits, yeah, you tend to think about it a little bit more. Uh, when I first started streaming, okay, my video, they're still on there. My videos were shit. I, I looked like I was so fucking jerky. Yeah, I'm not joking. There'd be that. And then there'd be, you could have two tunes in between the next movement. It was an absolute joke. I'm telling you. And the thing is, it's highlighted as one of the videos on my page. I don't go on the page. It get, gets me depressed. 
absolute joke. So anyway, so obviously, and then I found out that on OBS, you can actually tick something called auto configuration. <laughs> Don't figure. <laughs> so how have you, um, so how have you found, obviously, um, we're not DJing to a crowd, but how have you, have you found live streaming in, in general? Because obviously with the lockdown, live streaming has become sort of more popular for a lot of people. Um, so how have you found it? I mean, obviously you can see on the, this video at the moment, you've got your setup behind you. Yeah. Um, have you been getting as much enjoyment out of that as as, as yeah. a real gig? To be honest, yeah. <laughs> to, to be honest, yeah. Can I be honest? I'm a bit resentful. Yeah. I'm. Re I, I go on there, yeah, and I think. I think I've tried everything. I've tried every different platform. Uh, you know, I mean, I Mixcloud was a waste of money. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody goes on there, and you said that yourself to me. Ray, don't bother. And I thought, nah, nah, no better than you. I'm your big brother. You don't tell me. Went on there. I've cancelled it before my first subscription's due out. What a load of shit that was. <laughs> you know? And it's all, oh, it's okay because you can save the audio. Yeah, but... You, you can do what? that. You can do that on text, yeah. You know what? I can save the audio anyway with an Enemix box. Number four, obviously. Great bit of kit. Not sponsored either. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, so uh, and I thought to myself, what a waste of time. I'm, I'm trying that play, play DJ TV, but I'm not Carl. Carl, I can't, I can't, I'm not one of these that can say, yeah, I, I just want the five hours free because I look at what, what the pro gets. Mm -hmm. Oh, you can do it to different platforms and stuff like that. So I'm like straight in, you know, when, when I was talking to you the other night and saying about beat-ups, instead of just going basic, I'm going pro, yeah, get your own merchandise. And you said to me, keeping it real, Ray, how many viewers are actually are you actually getting? Mm. Well, it's right, I mean, but... Delete, delete his number. Who are you? <laughs> would, you like, would you like to see a some kind of suburbia sort of reunion? gig or something I don't, know, I don't know about suburban reunion do you know when all this shit is over I hope people just I don't know just get the priorities back together I mean the funny thing is is it takes shit like this to happen and I feel like the dance scene is coming full circle again you've got people you've got youngsters and yeah they weren't there in the 90s but they're there they're having the illegal raves which by the way we thought taking ease was dangerous Going out and having an illegal rave and getting, oh, what you on? I'm on Corona. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's dangerous. You can die. All right, you can die from taking pills, obviously. But, yeah. Oh, I've not even touched it. No, no, no. Oh, please. Yeah. Uh, refill. Um, <clears throat> so, obviously, I remember doing my first, we probably call it, um, mix, probably call it a mixtape. At, uh, <laughs> I'd be watching you down, down a glass of wine. Um, I remember doing my first mixtape um, at the flat in St. Helens on a single deck um, stereo system. Um, but then I'm sure you sneaked me into a club somewhere. I've got this memory of a club somewhere. And in my head, it's got Leeds, but it might not be Leeds. It was, it felt, it was um, but one of my memories is when we just talk about the drug stuff is you were living in a house and I believe your landlady was a, a page a former page free model. Oh mate, don't even go there. That that house nearly killed me. That house um, I write a but, book. 
but, tell you, let me tell you about the house. Right. And if you've got kids, it's time to lock them away now. Right. Here's about that house. So back then, funnily enough, you can liken me to have you ever seen the film Quadrophenia? Uh, yeah. You know, when the guy when the guy is back with, with the who and stuff and it was like the mods against the rockers. Right. So you've got the guy who's dead cool with the best scooter and everything. Yeah. Dead cool and everything. And then when he was away from the scene. Turns out he, he ended up being a bellboy, carrying people's bags, being talked to like shit. That's interesting. That's what it was. Marriott, Worsley Park. Let me tell you that. That's a good stage in my life. I was a concierge, okay? Were you the Only guy who get were you the guy to get any could get anybody anything? Anybody, anything. I was I had that many hooks, yeah. I used to have a taxi firm, yeah, that used to give me a percentage of the fares if I used them. Oh, I was, I was, I was on the ball then, yeah. So anyway, I had that, and I used to like go, like ring Alton Towers. This hotel's in Manchester, yeah, yeah. I'm a concierge of a hotel, yeah, the Marriott, yeah. Uh, can you organise me free entry so I get the experience, the park, and uh, I can then promote it. Getting free, got free meals, everything. So anyway, and I've got to tell you this. I met so many famous people there. It was right when, and here's a disclaimer, okay, don't quote me on this, but uh, Sven Eriksson, he was manager of England. England was staying in our hotel. They had the whole floor, okay? Funny enough, Martin Keown, yeah, he used to play for Arsenal in England then. He, We had to take his bed out of his room. He used to sleep on just a mattress on the floor. Okay. There you go. So anyway... Right, I was. I remember being in a lift with uh, Mr. Erickson, yeah, and I said, uh, I thought, Jesus Christ, I'm gonna make <laughs> nervous as hell. And then I said, You think they're ready then? <laughs> <laughs> Trying to be as good, <laughs> England manager, yeah, do you think they're ready? <laughs> he was like, I hope so. <laughs> Funnily enough, yeah, that that particular year, the time when they came and stayed, that's when he shagged that bird. What's the name? Eureka Johnson. Yeah. Eureka Johnson. Yeah. When it was all that, she was on that show. Whoo, dove from above. Whoo, whoo, you know, uh, scores on the doors. It's like, I, I, I'm shooting stars. Yeah. And anyway, that's it. That's it. And uh, yeah, I remember she, she uh, anyway, he ended up having an affair with her. And uh, and, uh, and I remember I was not being able to talk to the press. Anyway, I'm going off the subject. So uh, back then, yeah, I had a concierge. Yeah, I was concierge, carried a bag to tell people what, you know, you're supposed to anticipate a guess, what a guest wants to do before they know. And then uh, there used to be a receptionist that used to be here, just used to answer the calls. Not, not reception, it was like a phone operator. And her son used to be with, was called David Gardner. You can look this up on Google, kids. Okay, right, so David Gardner is now with, who's that daughter of Aerosmith? Um, Nick Tyler. He is now, you can Google it, David Gardner. He turns out he was a football agent. He, he was, He's uh, David Beckham's best friend. They did like a documentary where they were on motorbikes together. <clears throat> he's on that, travelling. With Liv Tyler now, but he was originally with another girl who ended up having an affair with Ryan Giggs. Oh, oh Danny Bear, no. 
<coughs> I can't, I can't remember. So anyway, <laughs> let me tell you about this house. Oh, you want filth? This is this. So she knew this girl who had this uh, Worsley. It was and Worsley's like dead, dead uh, posh and everything. Mm. So she knew this girl uh, called Samantha. Uh, Sam Brown, she was called. Uh, so I went. I had this interview with her to move into her house. It was a, like a three-story house. So you had like, you walked in, there was a door that led into the garage on the left. You had a room, bedroom right in front of you, up the stairs, living room, kitchen. Up the other stairs, you had Sam's bedroom, you had my bedroom. This house was that nice. We had gold taps in the ensuite. I mean, this was filth. Yeah, so anyway, she, her best friend, yeah, was Theresa May. Now, Theresa May, not the politician, Okay. I don't all, oh yeah, <laughs> I don't want you all looking at Theresa May and thinking, God, this guy was still on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Theresa May, yeah, just look for Millennium, yeah, Millennium Baby of the Year, year two thousand. That was when I was living there. So anyway, you had you had Theresa May, who was her best friend. You had Sam. Uh, Sam used to knock off Rodri gigs. He's Ryan Giggs's brother. Just whenever she wanted some. I remember when I I remember when I visited the house. Um, no, it's a nightmare. When I visited the house, there was. Um, oh, you, I, I forgot you've yeah. been there. I don't I don't want to mention the guy's name, but there was a TV a TV star there at the time as well. Will Meller. No, it wasn't Will Meller. It was um, uh, John Thompson. Oh, right, yeah. I'll go on to John Thompson because she ended up marrying him. And by the way, they're not married anymore. But anyway, going back. Going back, the funny thing is, is back in them days, yeah, uh, let me tell you about Will Meller since I mentioned him, though, anyway. Will Meller, he used to rent a house in Worsley off some guy, and he came he came back to Sam's. Back in then, uh, there was a lot of cocaine being, being uh, thrown about. And uh, we used to have, on the bottom floor, we used to have an actual drug dealer who used to live in that bedroom. And... Uh, Will Meller came back. We ended up kicking him out because he was said something which we thought was a little bit racist. So we kicked him out and we let his best mate stay and he, he just got kicked out. Uh, <clears throat> I need to tell you this story. I, I know I've gone on a bit, but I need to tell you this story because it's something that will live for me, live with me for as long as I live. Right, so there was... Uh, I was massive on boxing in them days, massive. So uh, we were going out for Teresa's birthday. We were going for a meal. And then we we're going to Holy City Zoo in Manchester, right? So we went for this meal. Me and Sam ended up getting kicked out because we got caught in a cubicle together, snorting coke. Yeah, so we all we all got kicked out. We went to the club. Anyway, I was there with Martin, my best mate. When we're there, with, I'm dancing away. And anyway, there's a tap on my shoulder. And uh, I turn around and it's Robin Reed. Now, I don't know if you know Robin boxer. Reed. Boxer, yeah. Yeah, Robin Reed was a massive boxer in his time. Yeah, and I was like, oh, my God, it's Robin Reed. He says, I hear you've moved into my bird's ass. I went, yeah, no, but as a lodger, <laughs> as a lodger, <laughs> thinking shit. He goes, oh, yeah, I hear you, great. That night, yeah, and here's a funny thing. You know, a lot of famous people cover it up and stuff like that, but everybody's on it. Everybody. There's no squeaky clean, Yeah. And then uh, we ended up, me and Martin, we went back to uh, Robin Reed's house. It was in the Wirral then. Went back to his house. And 
when you've had pills, yeah, you think you're the bee's knees. Yeah. So, he he turns around to me, he goes, I'm going to make you buzz your fucking tits off now. Yeah. He comes down, he's got a WCBC World Championship belt. He's got another World Championship belt. Drapes it over one shoulder. Drapes it over my other shoulder. We sat there, no word of light. Might have been eight hours. Watched every one of his fucking fights with me saying the same thing every fight. Yeah, what was going through your head? Do you know when he was looking at that? Yeah? <laughs> you might want to just go down and give up and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? But stay with me forever. So anyway, jumping forward, uh, I remember Sam came in one night, cold feet hadn't started. They had promo VHS videotapes, you know, where they were doing like pilots in the series. You came in, she said, oh, I've met someone. And I thought, oh, what, another? And, and she goes, yeah. She said, I've never heard of him, John Thompson. But anyway, the next the next time was John Thompson came to the house. Yeah. I always remember I came out of work and I came down to my house and I saw this E-type Jag parked in the drive. And uh, I went up, I said, who's your search? And he came out the toilet and it was his. And I said, is that yours? He goes... Oh, it's just a higher card studio gets me. And you know they're filthy rich then, don't you? Yeah. He just said it like it was a he said it like he had a Fiat five hundred. My other car. My other car's a Fiat. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But uh he says, yeah. So anyway, uh massive cokehead. Massive and the best. The best stuff as well. So we used to have a next door neighbor who always used to complain about the music being so loud. One night there was me, John. Sam and my mate, we're all snorting, we're all listening to music. And uh, John's got this imitation firearm, you know, but it looks like the real thing. Yeah. He goes, go get your neighbour. Go get your neighbour. <laughs> <laughs> no word of a lie. I just answer the papers. So the neighbour comes round, yeah, comes round, it's, and, and he's all right as long as you invite him in. If you invite him in, yeah. He's, he's part of the party. He's, he's fine. He's fine. So we get him in. Yeah. Anyway, uh, John John waits for him to snort a line, and then he pulls out this fucking gun from the back of his the back of his jeans. I'm just, why are you complaining? <laughs> I mean, it's been, wow. Right, so listen, I want to tell you about two two other things that happened in that. Well, three things. One one of them is I went on a holiday to Malta. Yeah, I came back and there was like this message on my door. Yeah on my bedroom door, Sam, it says, you're never going to believe this, James Nesbitt has slept in your bed. Oh, went fucking ballistic. Oh, went absolutely... Get them sheets washed. I didn't give a flying F who he was, yeah? And I said, there better not be any curly hairs in my pillow either. Yeah, because he had curly hair in them days. Yeah, like that. And then, and then there was another time when she was knocking Rodri off in the front room and I wake up in bed and I go, in them days I used to buy six, you know, like on the black market off a sleeve and my sleeve of six had gone and it was down there. Oh, I went ballistic then. What are you doing? What are you doing? Am I sick? What are you doing? I don't care who you are. Didn't give a shit. And then the funny thing was, was when we used to come back from clubs, yeah, we used to come back, back in them days, you only had two porn channels. There was no porn. There was just TVX or the adult channel. And of course, because Theresa and Sam's involvement in both, on a weekend we used to have 
uh, loads of people getting ready, you know, loads of girls getting ready, walking around naked and stuff, because they don't care. And then, so we used to come back from these clubs and I'd be with like fellas, you know, fellas would be sitting there, yeah, sitting there in the front room and, uh, you know, music's playing. And anyway, the girls would start simulating lesbian sex on the front front room floor, right? And, and these guys would be like, <laughs> and I'm like, I used to get a cigarette, have you got a light? <laughs> it's just, it was that bad. So yeah, if I'd stayed in that house, it would have killed me. I mean, I can remember walks with that drug dealer along the canals, and he was paranoid, thinking that the police had the place shut down. Again, lost the respect for the drug. Uh, I remember when my best mate in that house, and this was a turning point for me, had to put me into bed because that drug dealer used to come up and he used to, the pills then, a thousand pills would come in a tube and he used to rip the cellophane off and just say, go for your life. My best mate had to put me to bed and me foaming at the mouth, okay? And then when he emptied all my pockets, I'd been that screwed on. I had like about 50 bills in each pocket thinking, oh, I'll have them for later. I remember, I remember in that house, um, you bring that up. I remember, I'm positive, I remember seeing a table, just piles of pills. Just on a yeah. just on just on a table like and I, I remember thinking it wow mad. it was mad and then and then and then you survive. <laughs> do you know what so I mean? do you think do you think um do you think that shaped you then in sort of towards and do you think that the experience shaped you? Did it change you? Did it, did it make the mold you into a different different person? Uh, uh, it made me realise. I mean, I mean, funny enough, my job at the hotel made me realise that. No matter how famous people are, they just want to be talked to like normal people. They, I mean, they, they shit out the same old and they wee out the same old. Uh, and I felt like when you talk to them, like like we're talking, okay, they used to love it. They used to love it, you know. It, it, it gave them, a, I mean, all them girls, all them famous girls that used to come into our house and used to get changed and you saw naked and stuff like that. All of them, Theresa May, the most paranoid, uh, lonely person you could ever meet in the whole world. And she used to love us because we used to talk to her normal. We used to treat her. She, oh, she, she, she was on cover, she was on covers of like FHM magazines and, and, and not only that, that. she's yeah. in she's in Prodigy Smack My Bitch Up video. She's that girl at the end, you know, when it goes on to the girl in the cubicle and it turns out it's not a man who's been violent, it's been that bird. That's her. So anyway. I remember once after about a 15th operation on her tits and they were massive. I mean, she was about three foot tall and her tits were five foot. I mean, and she used to turn, she turned around to me, we went shopping in Manchester, me, Martin, and her. She said, Ray, she said, I wish people would just stop looking at my tits and look at me. So for fuck's sake, look at them. <laughs> I said, the fucking, you know what I mean? You got to hold the door open and then hold them open for you. It's actually ridiculous. So, but yeah, dead, dead, insecure, lonely. A lot of them were, you know what I mean? And it's not a good place to be. Even Sam, I remember Sam once charging everybody to come for Christmas dinner. Yeah. And then be that, that, that wasted on coat that she was dead paranoid, had a woolly hat on in the downstairs. Thing. And I had to look after everyone and say, oh yeah, don't matter. We'll get the decks on. And no. But yeah, that house was crazy, but it was bad. And uh, it probably saved my life leaving there. Wow, that's awesome. Well, I think that's a good time to uh, to end. But it's been a, 
I've really enjoyed um, this this conversation. And uh, I'm Hopefully, sure... you'll be allowed to have another. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm thinking how much do I edit? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but yeah be brilliant. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything for the world. And uh, you know, now I have a mortgage, and I have a house, and I have a family, and I have a marriage, and I think. The worst thing about everything, just to sum up, is that I spent my, my, a good majority of my life dancing, getting high, living life for the moment, for the second, and then coming to, I think it was 40, and I'm 53 now, and thinking, I've got fuck all to show for this. I've got no mortgage. I've got no house. I've got no car. I've got nothing. No. But there you go. Awesome. That's for podcast number two, where I tell you all about being a car salesman and how I used to earn more than four grand a month. <laughs> but uh, also, uh, Ray, I really do appreciate coming on this. I mean, this very first no, podcast, okay. and um, I couldn't think of a better guest to uh, kickstart the whole the whole series. Cheers, mate. Nice. I, I've been ranking on this. I thank you, and I can't wait for the birthday, the fortieth birthday of the host. Oh, we're having it off. Join weekend. <laughs> Thank you again. Okay, I think Carl, best thing to say here is peace out. Peace, peace out. out. <laughs>